Well, I hope everyone um, is enjoying this Advent season right now as we, as we prepare uh, for Christmas, and it is our second week of our series as we are doing on O Come, Let Us Adore Him. And we are telling the story of the birth of Jesus um, through reading the word of God and discussing that and through the songs of Christmas. Um, and my hope is that this past week, as we talked about before, as you've heard Christmas songs, as you've maybe sung along with Christmas songs, um, that you have really paid attention to what, what is out there and what we are hearing and, and the good news of Jesus Christ. Hopefully you've done more than just hear some familiar songs, some familiar tunes, but really listen to the message of the song. Songs like, Hark the Herald Angels Sing and Joy to the World and that you've maybe used these opportunities to worship Jesus this week, even as you're away from this place. Well, last week, the first week, um, we looked at this idea of hope, and we studied from the book of Micah, the seventh chapter of Micah, as the people were waiting, as they were struggling through difficult times, people who needed hope, and Micah, who put his hope in the Lord. And, and then we talked about Simeon, who got to see that hope fulfilled. He had put his hope in the Lord and the promises of God as well and he saw that fulfilled in the birth of Christ. Well today we worship and we trust Jesus Christ in that hope that he is the ultimate source of our hope and we have this hope because the promises of God were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So we look forward to his return and we live in that hope every single day and we live in the kingdom of God here in this place every single day. Well, this week, as we lit the second candle, we lit the second candle of peace. So we're, we're continuing on in this story of Advent, and this, this story of preparation. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but as I'm driving along and, and I'll turn on the radio, sometimes I can tell that the song that's coming on is one that I know and one that I maybe even like, but if it's midway through the song, um, I tend to have a hard time kind of getting my feet on the ground and going, okay, wait, what part of the song am I at? And then give it about 15 seconds and then I go, okay, now I'm, now I'm into it and I can understand it. Otherwise, it can just seem a bit like we're diving in um, kind of midstream. And I know for me, as we are looking at um, Advent e- each week, and even as I'm planning the sermon each week, when we come back here on Sunday morning, we're kind of like diving right back into the stream, and we're looking at different parts of the story, so it can feel a bit like, okay, where, where were we last week? Where were we this week? Where, where in this amazing story, the birth of Jesus, are we? So just to help you get your bearings um, a little bit more to kind of lay the groundwork of where we are in the story of the birth of Jesus, um, where we're gonna talk about today um, is we are talking about uh, Mary and Joseph have already arrived in in Bethlehem at this point in the story. They're there in town for the census and Jesus has been born with the story that we're going to talk about today. Jesus has been been born, he has been placed in this um, humble manger and the good news of his birth is about to be told. That's what we're going to talk about today when we're discussing peace is actually when that good news was first told. So we pick up in our story outside of town, outside of Bethlehem, and we have the story of the shepherds and the angels. So hear now the word of the Lord as it comes to us from Luke chapter two, verse eight through 14. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. 
Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, as I hear this story and as I dive back into it, um, I, I kind of start to imagine, well, what might this have looked like? And there's a lot of art. If you just go on, I mean, again, you just Google it. You, you know, I, I Googled shepherds and angels, and there are tons of pictures out there, some which are helpful, some which are not as helpful. But when I picture it, I tend to see, for whatever reason, maybe because of some of these pictures, um, Tyler, you have the, the next slide with the pictures on it? Um, so, so as I look, you know, there's like, there's the hillside there, and, and most of them are on a hillside. So for whatever reason, I kind of picture them up on this hillside, and then there's this angel that comes in, this flying, glowing angel. Now, it does say the glory of the Lord shone around them, so it very well may be that this angel was glowing. So I have this image of this angel coming in, and this angel shares the good news of the birth of the Messiah. Now we'll see a little bit how the shepherds um, responded to that good news next week as we talk about joy. And that's actually one of my favorite passages in the Bible and it's probably my favorite part of Christmas is the joy of the shepherds and what they do. So stay tuned next week for that as we, as we discuss that. So, so the angels hear this amazing news. They hear about the birth of the Messiah, right? The one that they and everybody else have been waiting hundreds, even a thousand years for. They've, they've been waiting for this news and they hear the news that the Messiah has been born. So they're standing there or sitting there, whatever, and they're processing everything going, wait, angels showed up, we were terrified, we were freaked out, we hear this amazing news that Jesus is here. Not only is he here, he's not, he's not in Jerusalem, he's not in some other place, he's in, he's in Bethlehem, like just a mile away from here. So they're processing all of this with this one angel who's in front of them and then the sky is filled with an army of angels. Glory to God in the highest heaven, they said, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now I know for me, when I think of these angels who have come, I tend to think of them singing, right? That's, that's kind of what, what we tend to do. Um, and, you know, like we, we just sang, it came upon a midnight clear, that glorious song of old. Or one of my favorite Christmas songs, Hark the Herald Angels, what? They sang, now, all of the scripture says directly is that they were saying these words, glory to God and peace on earth. But based on what we know that they said and the fact that we were told they are praising God, I think it's a pretty safe assumption that these angels were probably singing. You know, I know for me, when I'm really worshiping and when I'm really connecting with God, there is this song that just kind of builds and that's one of the greatest ways for me to worship is, is through song. But they were definitely worshiping God. These were words of exuberant joy and praise. This wasn't just a script where they went, okay, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Okay, we set our line. Now this is joyful. This is praise. This is worship. And, and what I kind of see here is that they are bursting with joy. You ever have some amazing news that you want to share with someone? Either it's a gift that you want to give to someone that you bought, you know, as we're thinking, you know, Christmas is coming up and you find just that right gift for somebody and you can't wait to give it to them. Or you know that somebody's going to hear some amazing news and it's not your news to share, but man, you just want to share and you want to be there and you want to see the look on their faces. 
Well, that's kind of what I'm picturing. I think it's a fairly safe assumption of maybe what these angels were facing at that point too, right? So this one angel goes down and they know the angel, this one angel is there and he's telling them what's happening. And I'm just picturing them kind of itching and ready to get in there and joy, like just celebrate with everybody. Look, it's finally, it has finally happened. This thing that we've been waiting for, God's plan is finally coming. So what do the angels say? They finally get to come in, they get to come down and, and, and they're surrounding these, these shepherds and what do they say? Well, the first thing that they say is glory to God in the highest heaven. God has fulfilled his promise. You know, we sang those words at the end of the song, glory to God, glory in our hearts. We're singing with the angels. God has sent his son, his love has been made complete. His grace has come to save his people as they celebrate the good news of the birth of Jesus Christ, the first words are unrestrained and joyful worship. Well, the second thing that they say is on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now we just sang about it and it came upon a midnight clear. Uh, Peace on the earth, goodwill to men from heaven's all gracious king. Now, when you, when you listen to it, it can sound a bit just like a general greeting, you know, glory to God and peace on earth. And it's the kind of stuff you'll see on a Christmas card, right? Peace on earth. It's something that, it's something that, we, something that we say. And it can almost kind of come out, come across as like a Miss America question, you know? What, 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 do, you, what do you want? Oh, I, w- I want peace on earth is, is what I want. But there's something bigger than this. So, but, but it's easy for me as I'm thinking about the shepherds, like I said, the shepherds are like my favorite part of the story, right? So it's easy for me to go, okay, the, the one angel comes down and he's got a big job because he says, hey, the Messiah has come, he's been born, you need to go see him. The shepherds are like, great, let's go and see him. And they're pumped, they're excited, they go to see him. And then in between, you've got these angels who come in and they do the whole, you know, glory to God, peace on earth. Okay, next, next thing. So it's easy to just kind of blow right past what they said. Now, it's especially easy to blow past this idea of peace on earth because if you remember three weeks ago or so when we were talking about thanksgiving and we talked about the great things that happen when we pray, when we, when we thank and we praise God, one of them is that God um, often gives us peace in the middle of difficult times in the middle of the storms of life as we trust him, as we worry about nothing and we pray about everything with thanksgiving and he gives us peace that transcends all understanding. So do we really need to spend another week on peace? But, well, this is the Sunday of peace, so it's time to look at that a little bit closer. So I dove in and I said, well, what else might God have to teach us about peace? What else does God have to teach me about peace? We know peace is an interesting word, an interesting concept that can mean different things to, to different people. You look at kind of the common usage of the word peace and there's some, some, some images, some way that it tends to be used in, in our society. You know, the peace signs and a Volkswagen bus and hippies and, and you know, the, the peace hand sign and doves and, and things like that. So in, in that context, peace is essentially no war, right? Peace is the, is the lack of war, is the lack of strife. Um, we think of, or at least I do, I think of, of peace treaties. I think of, of bringing an end to hostilities. Another way to think of peace is like peaceful rivers and lakes. You think of a baby sleeping. You think of snow falling, things like that. There's a sense of calm. 
Um, when I was early college, uh, my favorite band, it was a little late in the game, but my favorite band was, was the Eagles. You know, and you have that song, Peaceful, Easy Feeling, and it's just this, it's this calm place. In this way, peace is a lack of stress or a lack of chaos that these things are taken away from us. So overall, it would seem that peace in this world tends to be more about the absence of something bad right? So I am peaceful because there's not a bunch of chaos going on. We are at peace because we are not at war. But in God's word, peace is more than just the absence of fighting or chaos. It comes up a number of times throughout scripture. As we discussed a couple weeks ago, God gives us peace, not always by removing the difficult and chaotic things in our lives, but by reminding us of his love, reminding us of his faithfulness and presence even in the storm. Peace also shows up in a lot of the Apostle Paul's letters. One of his favorite greetings to people is grace and peace to you. Paul links together these two essential and amazing gifts of God. Well, when we start looking at the, at the various prophecies about, about the Messiah, um, the idea of peace comes up as well repeatedly. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, which we heard earlier, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Or later on in Isaiah 53, verse four to five, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. This passage in, in Isaiah 53 really gives us a, a good glimpse, a good look at what the greatest peace is. When Jesus, by, by his wounds we are healed and, and, and the punishment that brought us peace was not about God just giving us peace in the storm. That is one of the forms of peace that God gives us, but there is a greater peace that is happening here and that peace came at a high cost to him. The Hebrew word here for peace is a familiar one, is shalom. Now our word, our usage of the word peace today is so broad and so amorphous and so kind of vague and has so many meanings to it that I, th I think we miss out on the depth of what shalom really means. Shalom is not just peace, shalom is not just the absence of difficult things, shalom means wholeness. It is about things being complete, being set right, being as they should. It could be said that in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve lived in shalom with God. It's connected to, the, to another Hebrew word, shalomut, which is perfection. And we see that shalom is not just something that we can create on our own. Shalom is a gift of God. As one contemporary Jewish scholar put it, shalom is a blessing a manifestation of divine grace. So it is this gift from God, but 
But one of the important things about shalom is that it is not just God gives us this thing and then we just rest in that and we do nothing with it. When God has given us shalom, there's also the idea that it is something that we, it, it causes us to now step out and to give it back to other people. When we are living in shalom, it is something that we seek with other people. It is a gift of God, it is a gift of God that he has called us to share with other people. Shalom is also a verb, to make complete to restore what was broken to wholeness. So if you think about the context of battle, okay, so we, we talked about, you know, if, if, if um, peace is the absence of war, it is not just the absence of war, it is taking that next step once hostilities have ceased. It is not only laying down your weapon, it is actual reconciliation and working together for each other's benefit. You see the difference there? I mean, it's one thing to, to stop fighting, you know, it, it's, it's like with, with children. You know, you want children to stop fighting with each other, but you also want them to, you know, actually like love each other and be kind to each other and things like that. So shalom is not just, hey, you two stop fighting. It is something deeper than that. Now, you may remember either from a year ago when we discussed this or just from a history class or something, um, during World War I in France, Christmas of 1914, the British and the German troops were engaged in brutal combat. And at that point, it was that whole trench warfare, you know, when they're, when they're far apart from each other but close enough to kill each other. And then there's, there's the trenches on each side and there's the, the barbed wire, kind of the no man's land and things like that. Well, they had been fighting in this bitter cold this terrible time and they'd been fighting for a long time and it was awful. And it was, it was Christmas Eve and the British soldiers heard a sound coming from the other side. They heard a tune they recognized with words that they did not. They heard Stille Nacht, Heilige Nacht, Silent Night, Holy Night. And that night was this amazing story as these two sides come together. It happened not only in one place, but in other places as well along, along that front during World War I. For a night, they celebrated Christmas together. They played soccer. They shared, it's a funny gift, but they shared cigarettes with each other. They, they shared this, this evening together. They stopped fighting and in a way they experienced peace, but they didn't really experience shalom. It wasn't truly peace, it was a temporary ceasefire. True peace in World War I wouldn't come for about another four and a half years with the signing of the peace treaty and the end of the war. But shalom is even more than that. It's not just having a long-term peace treaty, and, and the truth is that peace only lasted, what, about 20 years even after that. Shalom is more than the long-term end of hostilities. Shalom for them would have meant not only did they stop fighting, have a time out for a little bit, and enjoy some time together, but it would have meant them laying down their weapons and helping each other, serving each other. It would have meant going from enemies to friends, even family. Not just going back home into normal life, but reconciliation and partnership, actively seeking to bless one another. There's a passage in Isaiah 2, which I don't have a slide for, but there's a passage in Isaiah 2 when it talks about like the coming of the Messiah and the coming of God's kingdom and how things are supposed to be. And it's this thing of, of how they will, they will beat their, their uh, swords into plowshares and into pruning hooks. Not just for their own benefit, but for the benefit of others. That is the shalom that God 
is bringing to us, that God is seeking for us. Now we get to experience it now, but not fully until he returns. The message the angels proclaimed to the shepherds and to all the earth was that Jesus came to bring the peace, the shalom of God. This message was not just a greeting, it was not just glory to God and peace on earth. It was not a vague desire for peace. They were announcing that the birth of Jesus was the inauguration of the mission of Jesus. And the mission of Jesus was meant to bring the shalom, the peace of God, that reconciliation, that restoration of how things are supposed to be. Romans 5, 1 to 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christmas is a beautiful gift. It is a joyful example of God's love, but it's not the end of the story. When the angels proclaimed the peace of God, again, this isn't something we can just skip over. When the angels proclaimed the peace of God, they were pointing forward to the cross. We have hope because in Jesus, in Christmas, God fulfilled his promises to us. We have joy because we have the good news that the Messiah has come and will come again. And all of this happens because of God's love for us, because God loved us enough, God loves us enough that he does not give up on us. See, I knew that hope and peace and joy and love um, reached their culmination on the cross and in the resurrection, but until a few days ago, I didn't really grasp how central this idea of peace is. I tend to think of it more as the peace of Christmas and God gives us peace through all of these things, and that is part of it, but that's not the entirety of it. The peace that the angels proclaimed is our peace with God. And that peace came at a cost. Colossians 1.21 Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Thinking about this idea of, of reconciliation, um, For years, Saul, who we now know as the Apostle Paul, Saul was a violent enemy of God until he encountered the grace and the peace of God on that road. The shalom changed him and he was truly reconciled with God. He was no longer an enemy of God, but became a true child of God. And what's great about Paul, about Saul who became Paul, is that he didn't just receive that grace and go, I'm gonna stop all that stuff that I'm doing. I'm gonna stop attacking Christians, and I'm just gonna become one. I'm gonna be part of the community. No, he knew that there was a call placed upon his life. He was given that shalom. He was given that peace. He was given that true reconciliation with God to not just end hostilities, but to become a partner in the work of peace because he knew that ultimate peace needed to be shared with other people as well. His brothers and sisters in Israel, but also Gentiles needed to know the peace of God. They needed to know the true work of Christmas. Well, like Paul, we were once enemies with God, but now we, you and I, are his beloved children. 
As those who have been reconciled with God, we are now his hands, we are his feet, we are his voice. We're called to share the good news with others. We're called to seek peace, to not just, not just respond peacefully, but to actually seek peace. So we're, we're called to share the good news with people and share the good news that they can have peace with God, but we're also called to seek peace for others and with others in this world of chaos and fighting. So this Christmas season, we all have a choice to make. We can get wrapped up, we can get overwhelmed, we can look at all the things of Christmas that can stress us out. We can totally lose sight of the one who was born that day. Or we can join our voices with the angels, we can join our voices with the prophets. Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. This is the peace of God. This is the peace that we get to celebrate this Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the hope that we have because of your son, Jesus. We thank you for the joy at his coming. We thank you that it was your love that sent him. It was your love that drew him to us. Lord, we thank you for the peace that we have, the shalom that we have, with you that we can have with others. Jesus, we know that that peace came at a price. Jesus, we know that you gave your life to not just make things better, but to make the dead alive. You came to give us peace. You came to end hostilities. You came to invite us into your kingdom work. Lord, help us to live in that peace. Help us to share that peace. Help us to trust and to live in that peace, Lord. Father, we thank you Spirit, we thank you. We rely upon you. Jesus, we thank you. We love you. We need you. And we pray all of this in your name, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.